Hello. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. My name's uh, David Anthony Jackson. What's your name? Is that your middle name? Yeah. Do you know my, my middle name? No. <laughs> What's your middle name? Oh. Is it a secret? Oh, I can't tell me later. That. You tell me later. If you suck me off. <laughs> this is not a good way <laughs> to start this. But yeah, I'm Dave. I'm Guy. And this is not a regular episode. Mm. It's a... What did you call it last time? It's a, it's a, a moose-bouche. A moose Mushbush episode, yeah. which I've just I've not put that in the title of the last mini episode. I think I just said mini episode. That's fine. Is that okay with That's you? That's fine with me. Yeah, I mean maybe one day further down the track we'll think of a better name than Mushbush. I think it's a good name. I think it's good. It's just a bit. It's it's a bit weird, isn't it? It's yeah. a bit much. Well, is anything we do here not weird? <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it is called Show Me Something Wrong. <laughs> there you go. It sounds pretty good to me, then. So, Guy, mm. it's uh, June 6th. Well, it's not today, but when this episode, mini episode comes out. I thought out. I just lost the week of my life. <laughs> but when this episode comes yeah. out, mm. it will be June 6th. Yes. In a week's time, June 13th. Something very special is happening. And what would that be, Guy? Well, David Anthony Jackson. Anthony. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. TH, please. I just fucking know this guy. <laughs> my, uh, my new film, The Sound of Summer, will be released in America on June 13th. Oh, mm. nice. Who's yes. putting it out? Unearthed Films is putting oh, it out. Oh, exciting. Yeah. yeah. Exciting. Yeah, I'm pumped. Um, so, yeah, you were... Ever so kind as to suggest we do a muse a moose bouche a little mini to to help promote this. Mm. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about today, besides the fact that it's getting released. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but if you didn't know, mm. the film is getting released yeah. in a week's time through cool. Unearth Films, so it is available for pre order and mm. from all your favorite shops like uh, what Diabolic and. The other ones, nice. Well, we should come back to that after oh, okay. we talked about the film. Oh, so okay. We'll get people all like fucking drooling and excited for your oh. for your film. <laughs> Maybe I've not really prepared much either, but okay. I thought I would just ask you some, okay. some questions, make it like a little interview yeah kind of i have thing. no idea what we're gonna talk about i have no idea that's all right. what you're gonna ask me well maybe but. just to like kick us off maybe tell us a little bit about just what is the sound of summer what's mm. it about what kind of film is it the sound of summer is about the hardships of japanese summer yeah <laughs> and the toll that it takes on you physically and mm. mentally yeah. i guess in a single sentence sure sure yeah yeah, yeah um very much based off my own experience of moving to Japan, experiencing the horrendously mm. hot, humid, sticky, gross summers here yeah. and getting heat stroke, yeah. almost dying. <laughs> but more than that, the impressions that were left on me from the uh, the cicadas out here. Mm. So, in England, there are no cicadas. Mm. I'd never seen a cicada before moving to Japan. So, yeah. when my first summer rolled around and I started hearing this, like, deafening Screeching. scream, and it is deafening. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, what the fuck is that? Yeah. And I kind of became slightly obsessed. And, but the whole point is, like, throughout the uh, 40 degree heat, 100% humidity, um, alongside just this constant scream 
that goes on for months, I thought that is enough to make you go crazy. Mm. And that was the basis of my horror film. It's funny as well, like the the whole like we we, we say cicada mm. in Melbourne, Australia. I don't know why we've got a slightly different pronunciation. I think that's how we say it in America as well. Isn't maybe, it? maybe, yeah. But um, we have them in Australia, mm-hmm. but I had maybe only heard them in smaller numbers perhaps mm. and they're only out in the countryside as mm-hmm. well so i think when you watch like a lot of you know ghibli films and like very gentle kind of japanese mm. movies love to set themselves in summer mm. and have just a nice little sound of cicadas mm. in the background that's not a realistic representation <laughs> of what it's like i remember my first summer here there's they because they just sort of kick off mm. like there's just a day where they're all like fucking hell here we go and they just <laughs> all come out books. yeah like <laughs> let's let's get started and they seem to all come out on the same day mm. and the the first place i lived when i lived here in in um in osaka was right next to a park with a massive tree oh wow that was full of cicadas mm. and the first morning i remember the first time i heard them mm. and i was like this is fucked i can't believe mm. that i'm gonna be enduring this mm. for however fucking long summer goes or it feels like it's never gonna end but yep. yeah so i think it's like a perfect thing to make a mm. <laughs> nightmarish horror film about. i think so it's a, but it's yeah it's just such a for japanese people it's just so natural it's like they don't even think twice about it mm. um it's just you know it gets hot in the summer yeah. cicada starts screaming in your face for fucking months. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're used to it mm. uh but i think for us as foreigners living in japan it was so it was such a shock to the system mm. And yeah. uh, speaking, like you said, about the Studio Ghibli movies, if you go out into the countryside or into the mountains, you do get the nice sounding cicadas. Yeah, they've got different mm. different types depending where you are. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but the ones we get here yeah. in the Osaka- d- dirty Osaka cicadas. <laughs> are like big yeah. fucking- They're, they're massive. And they're, I think they're the, probably the biggest looking- the, the Size-wise, mm. they're massive. And they're- scream is the most deafening it's awful yeah yeah i uh when i did the the screening i think it was in tokyo someone put a um a review up online in japanese and they were like oh i want guy to know about the nice sounding cicadas <laughs> as well because there are so many nice types as well oh, and i was like yeah that's fine i do know about them but they're not going to be the subject of a horror movie <laughs> you that's, know that's also so japanese isn't yeah. it where it's like but but like, come on, I want to show you the good side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, let me educate you. Oh, dude, this other guy said that they he hopes my film doesn't put foreigners off coming to Japan in the summer. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, guy's going to end tourism. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if your film actually ended tourism. Comes out on the 13th and all these Americans see and they're like, oh, I'm not coming there anymore. That would actually be yeah. great for me tourism right now. Tourism plummeted 50% of Japan. <laughs> the tourists are out of control at the moment. So that would be excellent if your film did that. So basically in your film- you have a character, a mm. uh, young woman who works at a cafe. Yeah. Um, it's a cafe, right? Yeah. Cafe, hostel kind of place. And she's kind of slowly going mad, perhaps, throughout the film. And at the same time, we're seeing the story of this guy who's kind of transforming himself, <laughs> who has all these, like, cicadas that he he carries around with him. Yeah. And all the while, we've got that kind of intense noise, mm. at the, the backdrop of it. Yeah. yeah. You made the very upsetting choice, bold choice, to actually sh- fucking shoot this mm. in summer. 
as well. Yeah. And I know because I was there for, for two <laughs> days of the, the shoot. So what was it? 2021? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Mm. Yeah. What was that like shooting in summer? <laughs> you know what? I'm making a film about people's like, you know, hysteria, almost heightened mm. senses of like, you know, intensity and their discomfort. And I thought you can't shoot that in the winter and bullshit Mm. yourself and be like yeah just pretend you're really hot yeah you know? yeah, yeah and I, I gotta shoot it in the summer where everyone's really like you know uptight and they're pissed off and they're uncomfortable and i was like that's gonna come out on film mm. and it came out like <laughs> way too much that i wanted it to come out because people were not happy with me um yeah it was pretty grim not just the heat and the uh the humidity and the cicadas there were so many mosquitoes, man, as well. Mm. Like, I was out filming. I was getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. I was had to constantly worry about not getting heat stroke. And some of the shooting days were, like, 20 hours. Mm. Yeah. How it's, how many days, what did it take to shoot? I did six days with Cowdy, the main actress. Then one day with the, with the younger kids. And then I think two or three with Han, the, mm-hmm. the Cicada Man. Yeah. So I think like nine, ten total. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty I, thought, I think I just shoot. did one on my own, like just doing like the special effects on my own. But it was yeah. like a 10 day shoot. Mm-hmm. What was, uh, so like shooting in the, yeah, kind of peak of summer, mm. what was the, what was the hardest day, do you think, out of those 10 to 12 days? Definitely definitely the second day of filming which mm. was the finale of the film that's the day i was there as yeah. well yeah. <laughs> where everything kicked off yeah so just like as someone who was there yeah just to describe where it was shot so if you've ever been to osaka the kind of south of number there's a place called shinsekai which is if you look up shinsekai on google maps it's like kind of the most iconic like Osaka, dirty, mm. dirty looking Osaka kind of place, right? Yeah. So we're in this very grimy, no longer being used kind of building, kind of. Right? It's it's yeah. It was set to be demolished actually. Right, right. Mm. So I, it was set to be demolished and rebuilt as a guest house, and mm. then because COVID came around, the plan got delayed. Right, right. So before it got demolished, I managed to get in <laughs> yeah. and use it as a location, but and it's a very old dilapidated building dilapidated building no air conditioning Mm. fucking full of hornets there was like a hornet hornet flying around (laughs) and you this was basically being used as the kind of yeah cicada cicada man's Mm. lair essentially Mm. in like 40 degree weather 40 degrees and it was so I think it was hotter in that building Mm. as well in that tiny space you can get these things in Japan that are like these sticky ice packs yeah, yeah, yeah we just had them like all over our bodies <laughs> as we were filming slowly going insane mm. yeah that that was a pretty intense day <laughs> it was it was intense it was and a night. great experience um but fucking hell yeah that was still only the second day of of filming and i i had another five mm. lined up on the back of that mm. it was it was a brutal shoot and i've never done a shoot like that before like mm. a long consecutive shoot Everything I've done prior to this has been like off days here and there, you know. Mm. It was it was uh, interesting. It was a good learning experience for me. Mm. Uh, not one I was mentally, probably not physically, really prepared for. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
Uh, I remember when we, because uh, we had the, the special effects people roll up as well. And, you know, it's like a team of three and they just started unloading their bags. And they had all these props and severed limbs and things. And they're like, right, who's the first to get makeup? We're going to have to change all these people, line up, get involved, you know, line yeah. up. We're going to make you look dead. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, my fucking God. Like, <laughs> I, hope, I hope I charge my camera batteries. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm not professional filmmaker. So this was by far the biggest, like, shoot I'd ever done in my life. It mm. was quite intimidating for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was pretty intense. Mm. So that so that was like the second day, and that was kind of the peak of the stress. Yes, that's that's good at least that it kind of calmed down a bit. Yeah, after that. I yeah. wanted to get it over and done with, so I didn't have to worry about it. If it was the last day <laughs> of the shoot, I just wouldn't be able to sleep until yeah, that yeah. was in the can. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I I know you you don't want to give away too much of the film, but mm. like, is there looking back on the shoot or like looking at the finished film like something that you're like really proud of like when you you watch it back now yeah i think like what we were able to do with such limited people and such a tiny budget i think what we achieved is pretty good if i do say so myself (laughs) in the creator Mm -hmm. but like it was it was tiny it was a tiny tiny crew tiny budget i'd like i don't even qualify as a as a micro budget movie it's a a minuscule amount of what a micro budget movie mm. would be classed as yeah so with that in mind like i feel like what we achieved with, with what we had i'm pretty bloody proud of mm. and some of the scenes that you know like i have a few favorite scenes um like the tweezer scene i think that's the one mm-hmm. that everyone kind of looks back to and thinks yeah. like that this scene is absolutely fucked yeah that um, that is fucking amazing yeah i don't want to give it away but like it's disgusting yeah yeah i've mm. seen the film i don't know like five times or something now because i've Probably been to all the screens i have <laughs> but yeah that scene always makes yeah. me like cringe and i love seeing it with an audience because that yeah. scene you can feel the like discomfort in the mm. room as people are watching that scene yeah I, I love the build. I love what um, Microchip Terror did for the score for that. Mm. Like the way he managed to make the tone and just keep that tone building. Yeah. Obviously, we have the, uh, the, the obviously the visuals build, and then he did such a great job with making the music or the soundtrack score like work together with the visuals. Mm. And I think it's a it's a great partnership, um, the two of us. Yeah, I was going to ask a bit about him because, like, his. I saw the film before his music, and it mm. is like amazing how much it transforms mm. it and how like perfectly he managed to score that film. So, have you you've worked with him on previous films as well? No. Or is, this is the first time. Yep. So I met JY of Microchip Terror in uh, Shows in Fukui's bar, right, in right. Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. We were connected before or uh, through through Facebook. And we just so happened to be in Tokyo at the same time one day. And it was like, hey, do you want to meet? And I was like, yeah. So we went to shows of Akui's bar and uh, hit it off. And I think he is not primarily a, a person who makes scores for films. He just makes his own music. Um, but he is an absolute film nut, loves the whole Japanese cyberpunk stuff as I do. We're kind of very much on the same wavelength. Mm. And he approached me. He was like, can I do your score? Mm. And I was like, oof. I was like, and I, I know his music. Yeah. Like, it's it's not the music that I normally listen to. Mm. And I don't know. And, and he's because he's never done a score before. And I was like, okay, well, 
I'll tell you what, have a look at this scene, see what you can produce for me, and then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take it from there. And I, I gave him one scene, and the first score he did for me, it was really like Tetsuo esque. Right, right. It was like, boom, tsh, boom, tsh. Yeah. And I was like, what was that? Like, I can't be doing, I got, I can't do a Tetsuo ripoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we had to do something completely different. And then we had a lot of kind of back and forth and talking, mm. and we kind of like, became on the same same uh, wavelength of what we needed and what he needed to make for me and then once it clicked it was just absolutely perfect and once again like i think it's the same with uh, my last film difficulty breathing like the score the people who i find to do the the scores for me they're a lot more experienced in their thing than i am in my own thing filmmaking wise mm. so I, I was able to like um kind of rely if you will yeah, yeah, yeah. on the people who were able to provide the scores for me mm. to to help me out in the departments that I wasn't that uh, uh confident in doing myself or didn't mm. have the the knowledge to do myself sure sure yeah and even though it's still very much early days like the everyone is saying like the fucking score for, mm. for from Microchip Terra is incredible mm. Mm. yeah i think it's like a balancing act with a score especially where you want the person doing the score to do their own thing mm. without controlling it too much, but you also need to get what mm. you want as well. So, yeah, I think you guys hit that, you know, really nice balance with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's a very full-on score. <laughs> it, I love it. I love it. And sometimes, like, he kind of... I think he was holding back. And right. sometimes I was like, no, you need to give me more. I need to give me more. I need to, like, pump it up. And then he, <laughs> and he was like, you sure? I'm, I'm, I'm taking it to these extreme levels, man. I'm like, just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also love, like, just on JY, because I've met him as well. Mm. He's not the man that you imagine who would make music like that. Yeah. He's just such a nice He's guy. sweetest dude. Very sweet guy. Yeah. And then the music is just fucking crazy, mm. like, wild stuff. Yeah. And on, on you mentioned Chosen Fukui. Mm. So, when you finished this film, so last year, right, yes. you finished it. Yeah. Uh, around, like, August? Uh, last yeah. Year? yeah 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 so i finished it in august and then not like i think two three days later we had the premiere in in osaka yeah so yeah. did the osaka premiere which was really great and then you screened it in tokyo and shows in fukui actually mm. uh came along mm. to that and is that on the blue yeah. ray okay yeah, 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 yeah. so there's like a kind of like a Q and A, Q and A slash talk show discussion yeah. between the, yeah us. Mm. Mm. So that must have been pretty exciting for you to have Shosen Fukui <laughs> coming it, along to that, giving his support, and he he loves the film as well, right? So <laughs> yeah, it's kind of one of those things. Like I don't think my life is ever going to get better than this, you know. Mm. <laughs> like, I don't think I'm ever going to achieve anything as good as this you know yeah. <laughs> um yeah we did the screening he had not seen it previously and and i want i did that on purpose I, because i knew he was going to be the guest at the show um and i wanted to see his original like like raw reactions mm -hmm. immediately after watching it and anyway the film played and then i was waiting kind of like side stage ready to go up on stage and start the uh discussion q a and uh, shows him walks in just after having it finished, and he gives me a massive punch on the shoulder, <laughs> and he goes, "You fucking did it! You're fucking mad, man!" <laughs> <laughs> gives him a massive punch, and then I was just like, "Oh, this is pretty bloody good." Yeah, he 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 seemed to react very positively to it. He said he enjoyed it, which was lovely. 
I, I was actually down in Tokyo a couple of months ago and I went to his bar once again and the main actor from Rubber's Lover was also there. Right, right. Mm. And so we were just chatting, you know, all our friends were all just chatting. But and I was, I was chatting to my friends and I could hear like shows in and uh, you'll say the, the the actor from from Rubber's Lover chatting. And, I, you know, they were talking about my film or shows in was bringing up my film. Mm. So I was kind of whilst talking to one of the customers also like trying to listen in yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh shows was saying like it was his favorite film that he saw last year and i was oh, just nice. oh that's that's bloody nice to hear yeah, isn't that's it great. the that's person great. obviously who influenced me so much and mm. my favorite film director mm. to to not only you know watch the film that i made but also enjoy it and then try to you know pr- or praise it and send it yeah, out to yeah, other yeah, people as for well sure. yeah yeah huge thing for me yeah it's amazing and mm. yeah that talk show is really great as well. So that'd be a, an interesting thing for people to watch on, on the Blu-ray. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. 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 But so you mentioned like Fukui is like your favorite director and mm. has been a big influence on you. But when I watch sound of summer, I can't to me see the influences so much. Mm. Like I, to me, it doesn't feel like, I don't know, like maybe it's like hidden in there, his, his influence, mm. but yeah, did you think about that when you were making it? Like, what was, you know, how you wanted it to look and what inspired the way it looked? Or do you think it just came I, um, kind of naturally, like, from watching his stuff or mm. from other films or, yeah? I never went into it saying I wanted to make a film like his or like someone else's. Because mm. there's, I didn't want to, you know, to go through all that effort of making a film only to try and replicate someone else's film is, yeah. is kind of pointless, you know? So even though like his influences are there, I think like it's not just his, you know, I, I watched a lot of other people's films mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I'm sure I have, you know, influences from various directors and various arts and what whatnot. But um, yeah, it's, it's that probably subconscious influence and learning mm-hmm. how to do something. I think the thing that I probably took away most from Fukui's movies is how he's able to take a single scene and stretch it out for long times Mm -hmm. and that's probably where i can see the similarity in my films and his films Mm -hmm. Uh, like a a long scene with not much difference Uh, there's not like any escalation in like visuals Mm. but the scene gets stretched out for a long time Mm -hmm. and i think that's probably what i took away from him the most that wasn't saying that i put those kind of scenes in my films to kind of replicate what he does but i can just i don't think i would have done so otherwise that's probably mm. an influence from mm. him but uh yeah i think it's very much my own film because it's based off my own experiences yeah um yeah. lightly this isn't a real story this is a fantasy <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah i i would never try to replicate someone else's style mm-hmm. um or try to do something they did or as and as much as I love the homage to another film. You know, I did so in my previous film, Difficulty Breathing, with the opening. Like, the, with the, it says, like, play loud at the beginning of Difficulty Breathing, which is just mm. like a, a Tetsuo reference. And I'm fine with the odd reference and homage here and there, but I don't want to just try and copy another director's style. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, for sure. So, on, on those screenings, so it's screened in Osaka, Tokyo, mm. and now it's starting 
to screen internationally as well. Yeah. So what what is the experience been with those screenings so so far yeah like what's it like being in the room with a bunch of people watching <laughs> it? i and the osaka one you were like put on a pedestal <laughs> basically like because you guys so because it because there was A Q&A after mm. at the osaka one mm. you and the main actress mm. i think were just like lined up in a row like sort of above, like so the so basically, I could see the film playing, and then to the right, you're just there. Yeah. Like, so we could see your reactions to it. That would be for me my worst fucking night. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I hated it so much. <laughs> and I think that's because there was no other seats. Like yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a full house. Yeah, I was like, I've got to fucking sit on the stage. Yeah. You know. Um, yeah, it's it's uncomfortable. I think at that time I was very very uncomfortable because I'd only just finished it. Mm. Um. So that was pretty intense. But every time it gets a little bit easier, you know. Yeah, like, you had really freshly finished that, right? Like, yeah. Because you like were still... Just, just days before. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, literally right before. Mm. Oh, wow. Holy shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's been playing in other places. It's interesting to see how other, like, di- you know, different nations react to it differently. Mm. And um, different people's interpretations. I think that's the the most fun thing that I take away from, you know, people's reviews and reactions and whatnot. Is that because it's not a, a very... So that like linear story, it's not told black and white. There's mm. a lot of room for interpretation, and there are a lot more interpretations mm. than I thought when making it or writing it. Right, right. So like, if I see someone's review, I'm just like, wow, this person interpreted it this way. That's interesting. I never would have thought of that. <laughs> yeah. Are some of those interpretations annoying sometimes though? When it's like so far away from what you were thinking no because at the same time i'm just like oh i can see why you, yeah. why you went there and actually that's kind of interesting i like that yeah and because like there's no uh, i haven't given a definitive answer as to what something or the the, the the final part means mm. um you know it's it's absolutely fine for people to interpret it the way they like it's yeah. and a lot of the times well at least so far it's kind of been relevant Mm. And, you know, definitely applicable. So I, I like that. Mm. I, I'm kind of jumping around a bit, but I wanted to go back to shooting it. So this film's all in Japanese. Mm. You speak Japanese very well, but it must have still been pretty stressful when you're, like, thinking about, mm. you know, making a film is already, like, so fucking hard to do. Mm. And then you have to think, you, you must have had, like, communication kind of barriers there as well. What what was that process like directing in in Japanese, a feature length film? Yeah. That was something I probably wasn't prepared for. Like Mm. I wrote the script and, you know, I wrote it in English and in Japanese and my Japanese friend checked it for me and I was like, ah, it's fine. You know, okay. And I got the script and I'll read that and they'll, they'll just do as the script says, you know, Mm. but it was kind of all the other stuff. Like, creating shooting schedules and having to liaise with everyone Mm. and I had to like liaise with the special effects artist and try to explain to the special effects artist what I needed Mm. and then like renting studios and stuff and the, the different locations all of that shit whilst trying to concentrate on directing and filming because I was filming it as well as directing and Mm. so I was like I need an assistant I need like or I needed Mm. a uh, a bilingual assistant mm. who could just take care of like that shit calling up for the uh the, the studio that we're going to be filming in today yeah. and you know 
just simple like you know messages and phone calls back and forth between the actors because I had to do that all of that myself and that was a lot of I don't know it was just, it was just very difficult to do yeah, myself yeah. as well as like try to focus on on the main point of trying to make this movie you know mm. that was tough and throughout filming I realized that this is not possible to keep doing on my own mm. everything that I've done up until this point you know it just, the, my projects just keep getting bigger and bigger you know like I started in my mum's garage filming the road maiden that mm. was very simple you know I would turn on the camera which was on a tripod walk in front of it yeah. do my lines turn it off again something I could do myself difficulty breathing similar kind of thing just one actress in one room me filming simple mm. to do on your own but when like the projects get bigger Mm. And you have like a dozen actors in the in the whole cast, you know, five or six different locations. It becomes something that you can't do on your own. Mm, mm. And I learned that because I just didn't sleep yeah, yeah. <laughs> at all for a, for a good couple of years. Yeah, Because yeah. I was just trying to like, you know, talk to so many people and arrange so many different things. And mm. yeah. That was definitely difficult for me. Mm. So, so a couple of years. So like what from start to finish, what was the what's the timeline of, of this film? Four years. Wait, so what <laughs> what year did you first start writing it? I think two thousand maybe eighteen or something. So then I think I had like the idea for it in two thousand eighteen mm. and I was like writing scenes for it. And I would keep writing scenes, keep adding to it slowly. Like, mm. it was not, like, full-time. It was very, it was a very slow progression. Um, and I had this, like, notebook with me, and I was just, like, writing down notes and ideas constantly throughout, like, I don't know, for, for a year or two. When I finally finished the script, I had some visa issues. I had to go back home to England and kept going back and forth. I lost, you know, half a year to a year for that. Then I came back, and then COVID kicked off, yeah. and I couldn't film due to COVID. So just everything just kept getting delayed. Uh, but during the, those, like, times, I kept adding more ideas, and I was able to, f like, flesh out the scripts a lot more. So, in the end, it definitely helped, but it was just a very long process. And I think you're probably the same, like, once you're kind of working on something, that's all you think about. And so, I would, like, go to bed, and all I would think of was, was cicadas, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? And same during the editing process, you know, when you're editing, you just keep on thinking about, like, the continuity and this mm. and that, so... Yeah, that's the worst part mm. for me it's like once you start editing and mm. you, you notice like things that you fucked up that you probably only you will ever mm. notice right yeah. but it's like haunting and you just yeah. have nightmares about it and that will probably continue for years <laughs> like after I'm making sure. it yeah. yeah but i think that the thing the big thing that i took away from it is um yeah i uh, I, I can't keep doing it on my own mm. like unless i go back to more simple storylines which is definitely something i like doing i love single set films mm. but um as long as I, like, keep expanding my projects, I need a bigger, like, team. Mm, yeah. It's mm, mm. So, pretty tough making this. <laughs> <laughs> what about, was there any, have you got any, like, you know, kind of fun memories from, from making this as well? Oh, yeah, yeah, plenty. <laughs> uh, you know what? It sounds silly, but I loved filming all the dialogue stuff. Mm. I, I had so much fun filming the back and forth between Kaori and Q, uh, the two mm. co-workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved all that. And some fun moments, like we did some uh, guerrilla filming. We couldn't get permission. We didn't ask for permission. 
So a lot of the times, like for certain scenes, we had to kind of like duck in and out of shops or wherever <laughs> we were. That was kind of exciting because we were clearly being watched by the staff and they were clearly thinking, <laughs> how are they going to speak to this white guy yeah. and tell him in English, like, you can't film him. <laughs> and I was trying to like direct the actual, like, just, just hurry the fuck up. Just <laughs> so that was kind it's of an fun. advantage of being a, a foreigner making it. It is. It is yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, walking around, uh, like these home stores with Cowdy, like covered in blood, Mm-mm. just completely like covered in scars and scratches on blood. <laughs> just walked in as if nothing happened and started, you know, took out the camera. <laughs> that was a good fun. Um, I remember when she was like covered with all that makeup and getting lunch. Oh, uh, yeah. On it must have been that second day. And just because when you're making something, you kind of forget. That mm. someone's covered in makeup, right? Yeah. And I remember going to buy some bentos yeah. and just all the staff being like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, what is going on here? Yeah. There's actually a great shot of, um, in the, in the making of, there's a making of mm. documentary in the new Blu-ray and we're walking towards the lunchbox shop and there's just this old man in yeah. the background who stops and his mouth is wide open and he just stares at Cowdy the whole time. He's just like, <gasps> and he's completely, he's like there, gobsmacked. It's great. Yeah, that was great. I like the people's reactions. All the, uh, the, the, the gore stuff was good fun. Yeah. Mm. It's always exciting. It was, was to good do fun stuff. to do. Like when, yeah, when it gets very visceral, mm. Mm, that was great. Mm-hmm. great to great to film <laughs> <laughs> i think like as well like on that second day so i, I was only there for two days actually maybe the first day because your your friend q mm. who's in it was that was the first time she's acted yeah right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? and yeah. it was just just being an outsider looking in on that it was like quite amazing to see how well she was mm. doing that and how natural she was mm. and yeah i think like the way you worked with actors must have been pretty enjoyable as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, well, the great thing about Q, I actually wrote that character based on Q. Mm. So the place that we filmed in, Q used to work there, and I had already got permission to film there. So when I was thinking about characters and what kind of person would be here, in my mind, I just had someone like Q. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, so I wrote the character based off her. And I was like, right, who the hell can play Q? Yeah. And I was like, Q, can you play yourself? Like, can you be a characterized yeah. version of yourself? And she was like, yeah, all right. I've never done anything like that before, but I'll give it a go. And <laughs> lo and behold, she mm. does She does a pretty good Q. It's quite, it's it's lucky though, right? Because some some people, you, you know, I, I've had people in my life where I'm like, God, they're so, like, like they would be great on mm. camera. They'd be so good. But the moment you turn the camera on, they completely become someone else and they right. can't do it and they just look awkward. They may as well be looking at the camera because, like, that's how awkward right. they are on camera. <laughs> but, yeah, she is not like that at all. She's mm. basically just able to be herself mm. on camera, which is quite a, a rare mm. skill to have, I think. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think she's really fantastic in, in the film, for mm. sure. Yeah, that was one of the um, the the nice things that was said from reviews after the first few screenings. Like mm. people saying, you know, they love the back and forth between the mm. two characters. And I've never really written characters well. 
like I've I've never really written much dialogue for in any of my films, and I've never written much like character like characters that show or have a particular personality. Mm. So I think this was the first time I actually tried to kind of you know make a character. Mm-hmm. And even though in Q's instance it's based off her herself, but like in other instances, I had to kind of you know make up people, which has never been my strong point. So that's been a nice learning curve for me as well. Yeah, but Q does a good Q. And Han, who is like the monster, the villain yeah, yeah, yeah. of the film, <laughs> you've you've worked with him quite a lot. He's, oh, he's a he's a good lad. He is quite a character. I've worked with him as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. in my uh, Tokyo music video. Yeah, and yeah. he's a very unique guy. Do you mm. want to talk a little bit about working with Han? Do, do you know where I met Han? Did I, I tell I you? I don't know if I do, actually. I'm I met sure. him at the Shit Film Festival. Oh. Yeah. Wait, hang on. I think we've already talked about this. What Have year we- What year is this? 2016. 16. Okay. And didn't did you go again with him probably yeah because yeah, the following you, year yeah sorry this is a little oh, i'll try to be quick because i don't <laughs> want to derail but like do you remember i told you i went to the shit mm. film festival maybe 2017 yeah, yeah or 2018 and i remember being there mm. and seeing some gaijin some guy fucking white some, guy. Some, <laughs> some gaijin with a japanese guy right and me and Tana and our friends were just like, what the fuck? This is, that's quite weird to see like a foreign guy there. And that was definitely you. Oh. But, but that was like two years before I actually met you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It was fate. It was fate. Yeah. So you, so you met him at, uh, Keigo or Kago. K- Kago Shintaro's Shit Film Festival. Yeah. Shit Film Festival. This was not just, I don't know, a month after arriving in Japan. Mm. What, what hang on the shit film festival it's not for shit films right yeah. it's for films oh about shit so for clarity yeah, <laughs> yeah just uh, to be clear this is so <laughs> shintaro kago famous manga artist every year he does a shit film festival in japan and it's all like short films with the theme of shit mm. but they're all like comedies animations like you're not yeah. allowed real shit so it's not like a scat porn festival right it's right just, yeah uh, a light-hearted mm. silly film festival everything is based on poo and uh and i actually went to the venue loft plus one west which is where i ended up premiering the sound of summer and i went there initially literally as soon as i arrived in japan because i heard they were doing a vnr planning event and vnr the big uh, porn label that also did the uh, the mad video stuff so they, they released um, Faces of Death in Japan. Mm. They released the guinea pig films. Um, and I went to buy a ticket for that. And the manager was like, oh, maybe you'd like this ticket as well. Mm. And I was like, oh, shit, Shintaro Kago. All right. So mm. anyway, I bought that just on a, you know, by chance. Ended up meeting Han there. And uh, I thought, well, this is a, he's an odd man. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, not just him, there was a group of people We all ended up drinking or became friends after that. And um, I initially only planned to stay in Japan for a year. And for that first year, I wanted to just make something. I wanted to just try and make something, a movie. And it was then when I made Difficulty Breathing Mm. and asked Han to be in that. And I had so much fun making Difficulty Breathing that I wanted to kind of expand on that concept. And that's what became The Sound of Summer. Right, right. Mm. So, and Han basically essentially reprised his role Mm. in Difficulty Breathing as the kind of maybe human, maybe not entity that torments the female lead. Mm. So, yeah, 
he is kind of my go-to guy for scary men. (laughs) He is. uh, It's so funny because I I saw Difficulty Breathing before I met you Mm. and before I met Han. Yeah, I remember watching it and being absolutely fucking terrified of Han because he's so frightening (laughs) in that film. But then when you meet him, he's just... I, I don't know how to describe him, but he's not terrifying. That is not the word I would use I swear he's always dancing. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just this quite a gentle, nice, odd man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a good man. Uh, I, I love Han. He's such a good dude. Mm. He does a great job in The Sound of Summer as well. I think that was also quite a complex role for him to play because mm. he has to kind of play both the uh, the victim and the villain simultaneously. Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Without giving too much away, there's a scene involving a flashback of his character that's uh, yeah, I think really adds a very interesting layer to it. Mm. And yeah, he handles that very well. Yeah, I'm glad, yeah. So th- it's coming out from Unearth, but are there other releases in the pipeline as well? Yes. So it has been released in Japan through mm. our mate Eggy. Eggy. Shout out to Eggy, video violence releasing. Um, so actually, we're doing a, a like a big kind of box set thing for that. Mm. There's going to be like props used in the film in there. Uh, not only that, there's actually like uh, alternative ending included oh, in really? this uh, Blu-ray. Yeah. So That's I actually shot a scene for, for, for the last scene, mm. which I ended up not including in the main cut. Right. But okay. after the the film ends, there is essentially another scene. An alternative I, I don't ending. know about this. All right, yeah. that's interesting. So that's kind of uh, I've given that to the Japanese label, so they'll release that along with like some awesome props from the films and like mm. a booklet and this kind of stuff. So we're gonna. Yeah. So that's gonna be the the big kind of collector's thing. Yeah. I've got an Italian release lined up and a German one lined up as well. Nice. So nice. yeah, things are you know slowly moving out. Mm. I think it should be available in in a, in a variety uh, mm. of of regions. But the first release is this Unearthed one yes. coming out next week. Yes. Can you tell us a bit about that release? We've said the talk show mm. is on it. Yeah. Behind the scenes. Is there, there anything else that's uh, of note on there, this release? There's the... So, so, hang on. so, there's the film. There's the the making of, which is like, uh, I think, 45, 50 minute documentary behind the scenes. There's the premiere, which we did in Osaka at Loft Plus One West, the place where I met Han. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, apparently. <laughs> yeah, well, not <laughs> didn't just saw each other. I was looked like at. Fucking, fucking <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which is good fun because, um, yeah, that was literally as soon as I finished editing it. And we have the, um, the pre-screening talk and then the Q&A with all the cast members after, mm. which was great. Um, and then we have the uh, Tokyo talk show with shows in Fukui. Nice. So it's a, it's a pretty beefed out release. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Nice. Yeah. So pl- plenty to watch for a for a seventy five minute movie. Yeah. Nice. There's there's a lot going on. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so where where should people get their pre orders? You mentioned diet diabolic. I, it's kind of out everywhere. It's kind of everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. yeah. If you search Sound of Summer, Unearth Films, there's mm. a dozen different places you can pick it up from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I assume it's going to be in shops as well in America. Nice, nice. Yeah. And I'd say, like, as a fellow low-budget filmmaker, like, if you like the film, so if you buy it, you like it, just, like, post a bunch of stuff about it oh. and, like, share it around, do reviews, because, mm. like, 
and probably send you a message as well and let oh, you know yeah. what you thought about that because send me a message. I think people underrate like how much it means to get that kind of feedback. Mm. Like whenever I get a message about my film, it's just, no matter uh, well nice messages, not the, <laughs> not the hate, not the hate stuff, but like when I get that, it's it's really you know heartwarming to get that. So if you like the film, this is as uh, Guy said, it's. Uh, not even micro budget. It doesn't <laughs> it's count. Below that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, give it your your support and spread the word around because it's a fucking great film. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of surreal to to have it released in such a mm. big manner. Yeah, yeah. It's fucking awesome. Everything prior to this, I've only released myself. Mm. So to have it picked up by by a, a, a big um, DVD company, and not only like any company, the the company that has mm. introduced me to so many films yeah, that I yeah. love. Like, they release shows of Akui's films, like the guinea pig films. Mm. There's so much of their catalog that has been an influence for me. So, to be kind of, you know, released alongside so many films that I love is a yeah. is a, is a big thing for me. I'm, I'm very grateful for that. And it's, it's, even though it's like 10 years since I started, first started making films, this is the first big thing yeah, yeah, to yeah. happen for me as a director. So, yeah curious to see where it leads mm. curious to see people's feedback like you said yeah send me a message if you liked it yeah <laughs> if you didn't like it just don't send a message that, <laughs> you can block me <laughs> yeah. yeah you're right though i think unearthed is like kind of the perfect company to put this out as well so it's going to be exciting mm. to see what happens yeah. yeah yeah we'll see we'll see nice nice anything else you wanted to add before you wrap things up on this moosh booch on this moosh booch I'm um you know what initially I was thinking to do a trilogy of these mm. kind of things of have like Han as the as <laughs> the, the the means of women's trauma right. <laughs> but um I don't know and I, I would like to finish off the trilogy um but I feel like I'm gonna have to do something different for a little while mm. um something completely different before I step back into this kind of thing yeah sure sure but mm. it is something i would love to finish off nice on a much bigger scale <laughs> i will need huge budget film. i'm gonna need to get that uh that translator yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> that bilingual person to help me but um yeah anyone who who picks it up thank you very much um yeah any any sort any kind of support picking it up doing reviews like they said sending me a message any support, you know, whatsoever is very, very much appreciated. At the end of the day, I'm still just one guy, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so any sort of, yeah, support in any means whatsoever is really, really appreciated. Nice. So right. it's just a week. Week away. Yeah. Oh, I know what I had to say for my last thing. Yeah, yeah. The last thing as a little happy moment. When I did um, premiere, when I, when I screened this in Tokyo, I got um, I got a, given a bottle of wine from mm. Shosen Fukui. Oh. Yeah, it was like it was like you know this is for you. And it was like a you know like a decent bottle of red wine. That's nice. So I think I think when this gets released on my release day, I'm gonna have my bottle of wine. That's very yeah. nice. I'll have, I'll have a little cheers. Yeah, just alone crying, gulping it down. <laughs> oh, what a cry! Happiness, happiness. Oh, it is happiness. Yeah, wine dribbling down your mouth. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yes. that's that. Nice. Get sound of summer. On Blu-ray, get your pre-orders in. It's only a week away. <sighs> Go for it. Get involved. Thank you very much, everyone. And we'll be back next week for a regular episode. Oh. And as always, 
Follow us on Show Me. S- oh no, 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 not mm. that. That's not. That's not right. Follow us on SMSW Podcast <laughs> at Twitter, and you can also send us an email at Show Me Something Wrong at Gmail dot com. And yeah, maybe follow Guy on Twitter as well if you want updates Ooh, yeah. on uh, Sound of Summer mm. stuff. So mm. your Twitter is vomits vomit self, yeah. Vomit itself with two S's. Two S's, yeah. Is that the best place for people to follow you? Or, uh, what should I do? I, I actually have a, uh, a <laughs> Facebook. Um, yeah. It's like Sculpting Fragments Productions. Mm. Um, but yeah, Twitter at Vomit's Self or uh, Instagram. Mm. Oh, I have Instagram, Sculpting Fragments Instagram. There you go, yeah. Um, so th- there's plenty of places to get information. My Twitter is... Um, primarily in Japanese at the moment, but mm. it's kind of also the one that I use the most at the mm, moment because mm, mm, everything else is kind of ruined. <laughs> so, just uh, follow all of them. Just follow me everywhere. Yeah. Give me a search. I'm around. You'll yeah. find me. And get those pre-orders in. Yes. <laughs> so, and make this your summer movie. Oh, yeah. As the yeah, summer yeah. rolls around, you know what I want to do? Watch The Sound of Summer. 